Good morning. It's a great privilege for me to preach this morning. Please open your Bible to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. The letter of Paul to the Colossians. Chapter 1. And I'm going to read from verses 1 through Seven. One through eight. Um, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossa, grace to you and peace from our God, our Father. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you had for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, just as in the in the all the war, also it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bond servant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf, and he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. Let's pray. God, our God, Lord, we, we're here with your book, your Bible that you left to your church, to your children. We ask you that your Holy Spirit would help us this morning and that you help me preach and teach to, to, your, to your sheep, to your children. Help me, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. So usually when when I preach, um, when I preach here before, I've been preaching from different books of the Bible, uh, different uh, verses. But the uh, my goal, my desire is to to begin a book and uh, preach and teach verse by verse, just like Brian does. So my goal uh, today is to start Colossians, and uh, we're going to look at the four A verses, and it's going to be also an introduction and also the A verses today. So that's my goal today. Uh, if today is your first time here, I, uh, I will ask you, please come back. Uh, our pastor is not here. <laughs> so please, I, uh, they said that uh, the first impressions, so I don't know how this first impression will be. But please come back. Uh, but it's, it is my desire to to uh, start today with Colossians, and next time when I preach again, I will uh, I will continue where I left off today. So Colossians uh, is one of the letters that the Apostle Paul writes. He writes this letter uh, in one of his many imprisonments. 
uh, he, he is in prison and he's writing this letter. Uh, the purpose of the letter is uh, to, to, to help the, the church in Colossae because there's been some, uh, some problems happening in there. And, and the, the pastor, Epaphras, who planted this church, who, who gave the gospel to this church, uh, he traveled uh, from Colossae to uh, where uh, the Apostle Paul is, and he traveled to see him because he needs help. And, and we're going to see uh, what, what, what's the help that he needs. Uh, we're going to uh, see on these eight verses what, what is happening on Colossia, uh, what, uh, what the pastor of Colossa, who is Epaphras, where he needs help. And we're going to see how the Apostle Paul helps him what he does to help him. Uh, in a formal introduction, um, I know they say don't use your family as an example, but one time my wife helped me a lot. And um, long story short, I, uh, I was uh, needing to make really, really important decisions. I was afraid. I was uh, fearful. And my wife said, don't take decisions when you're afraid, when you're fearful. The Lord did not give us a... Uh, uh, spirit of fear, uh, and you know, she gave me, uh, tell me, you know, don't, don't don't fear, trust the Lord, and I had to take this big decision, and then I call a really good friend of mine, a very wise man, I consider him, and I call him, I say, I need your help, I don't know what to do, I'm afraid, you know, we get together, we eat together, and he says, don't take decisions out of fear. <laughs> The Lord didn't give us a, a spirit of fear. Trust the Lord. So I arrive at my house, and my wife says, so ha- what happened? How you doing? And I tell her, I'm doing great. It's good. I, I, I have peace now. I'm fine. And she says, what did he tell you? <laughs> and I said, he said, don't fear. Don't take decisions out of fear. Uh, trust the Lord. And, you know, she's like, that's exactly what I told you. <laughs> So this is what is happening here in Colossians. Epaphras needs help. He needs help. There's something happening on, Coloss- on Colossae. He needs help, and he goes and finds the best help he can find in his time, the Apostle Paul. He travels, and, and travels from where he is to find Paul, even though he's in prison, but he, he still goes there. It may be a risk. And later we know that Epaphras doesn't return to Colossae. He stays. And in other letters, Epaphras is called a fellow, a fellow uh, uh, prison uh, friend. So maybe he stays in prison too. It's risky what he does. He, he goes for help to the Apostle Paul. And, and when, the, when he arrives with the Apostle Paul, he gives the report. He tells uh, the Apostle Paul what's happening at Colossians, with the Colossians. And then the Apostle Paul writes this letter and sends it to the Colossians. And you will see that pretty much the answer was always there. And Epaphras already did what he was supposed to do. And he's been doing the right thing 
with the church at Colossae, the church at Colossians is a new church. Uh, some commentary says that probably the church was five years old. It was a new plant church, new believers, new church, new pastor, Epaphras. The church at Colossae is not the Apostle Paul who's teaching there. It's Epaphras. It's a new church. And, and, and there's been a problem there. And then he goes and tries to get help from the best, from the Apostle Paul. And we read what the Apostle Paul does to help Epaphras. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. So these are the credentials of the Apostle Paul. He is an apostle. And he is an apostle appointed by Christ. He didn't name himself an apostle. He didn't proclaim himself an apostle. He is an apostle by proclamation of Jesus Christ. And he also mentions Timothy, our brother. By other letters that uh, the Apostle Paul wrote, we know that the Apostle Paul instructs Timothy to go to different churches and appoint elders, pastors, deacons, and to manage the church. So Timothy has authority too. So now we have the Apostle Paul, we have Timothy, both, both men of authority. And those two men of authority, we're going to see later on how are helpful to Epaphras. So the church of Colossae, like I said, is a, is a new church, new members, new believers. Also, the city of Colossae is a small city compared to other cities on Rome. But the Apostle Paul still takes his time. He, he, he never been there. He takes his time and writes this letter to them. He hasn't seen them face to face. Later on, we learn. But he takes his time and writes to them to help his friend uh, Epaphras, his co-worker, his fellow uh, laborer, Epaphras. But what, what is happening in Colossia? What is the problem there? We learn what's happening in Colossians chapter 2, verse, verses 4 and 5. So if you just turn one page, or if you look at chapter 2, verse 4, we read, I say this so that no one, and I want you to listen to that word, no one would delude you with persuasive argument. So here the Apostle Paul talks about someone, and he said no one. Uh, at the beginning, I assumed that the false teaching in Colossians was like many teachers, false teachers, like plural. But Paul talks about one. And we'll see that. Uh, if you go to same chapter, but verse 8, chapter 2, verse 8, see it, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceptions. So we have that no one again. And then if we move to verse 16, chapter 2, verse 16, therefore no one, again, we had that no one again, is to add as your judge in regard to food or drink. Now let's go to verse 18. Let no one keep defrauding you of your price by 
delighting in self-absent and the worship of angels, taking his stand. So this no one, we, we know more about this no one here. Taking his, so his is the no one, stand on visions he has seen. So it's a, it's a singular, he. So there's one person he has seen. There's, a, there's one person in Colossians that he has taken a stand. He has taken a stand on what? On the gospel? Oh, this person, he has taken a stand on visions that he has seen. He has private interpretation. He has visions. He has a vision, and because he had that vision, now he's putting that vision to the Colossians, and everything that he's doing, he takes that stand on that vision, and we know what is this vision of him. Uh, uh, go back to chapter 2, verse 4. I say that this so that no one would delude you with persuasive arguments. So there's, there's some arguments, very persuasive arguments, deluding the truth. If you look at verse 5, for even though I'm absent in the body, nevertheless I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see you, your good discipline, and the stability of your faith in Christ. So what, what Paul wants, Paul wants for the Colossians to have a stability in Christ. That's what he wants. But this one, this person with the vision, is bringing instability. Also in verse 8, see, it, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceptions. So this vision that this person had is promoting philosophy and empty deceptions. So when, Bern, when Epaphras travel and arrive and talk to the Apostle Paul, the conversation maybe went like this. There's this person. He had, he, he had a vision. And he is promoting deception, philosophy, and stability. He's promoting the worship on, of angels. What do I do? Help me. I need your help. What do I do with this case? Remember, it's a new church, new believers. And this person has persuasive arguments and is convincing them and is causing instability. So, Epaphras, go and ask for help. Now, we're going to see what do the Apostle Paul do? How does he help his friend? First, Paul, the first thing that Paul does he approves Epaphras. He reaffirms Epaphras. And the way he does it is the way he describes Epaphras. So if you look on Colossians chapter 1, verse 7, just as you learn it from, from, from who they, they learn the gospel, from who? Epaphras. Our beloved the Apostle Paul calls Epaphras our beloved. He doesn't just say my beloved. He says our beloved. Why our beloved? Because if you remember in verse 1, he says, 
Paul and Timothy, our brother. So it's not just Paul reaffirming Epaphras. It's Paul and Timothy, the people and authority of the church. It's reaffirming Epaphras. And he calls Epaphras our beloved. See, the way the Apostle Paul describes Epaphras is to reaffirm him, to, to approve him before the church of Colossians. So he's called and described as our, our beloved. And then he also calls him our beloved fellow bond servant. A bond servant. He described him as a bond servant. What's a bond servant? Well, what it means to be a, birth, a bond servant? A bond servant is a slave. See, on uh, Paul, when he writes to the Corinthians, he tells them that they must be slaves of Christ. First Corinthians chapter seven twenty-two: You must be like slaves to Christ. So what the Apostle Paul tells the Corinthians to do, right here he tells us that Epaphras is already doing that. He's already a bond servant of Christ. He's a slave of Christ. So he calls him our beloved, a bond servant. And he also calls him a faithful servant. Faithful servant of Christ. Any true pastor, any true teacher of the Bible will tell you, that there's no greater reward, there's no greater benefit or give or encouragement than hearing one day the words of Christ himself to say to you, faithful servant. That, that is the standard of success in ministry. It's faithfulness. It's not numbers. It's not uh, the size of the building. The standard of success in ministry is faithfulness. And here the Apostle Paul calls this man Epaphras a faithful servant of Christ. So far the Apostle Paul has reaffirmed Epaphras and says, We, Timothy and Paul, approve this man and he is faithful. There's no greater reward for any true teacher or pastor than, he, than one day hearing the words of our Lord, well done, good and faithful slave. Enter the joy of your master. That's the greatest reward for any true teacher and preacher. More than any title, more than any uh, reward. That's the first thing that the Apostle Paul does to help Epaphras. Second, Second thing that the Apostle Paul does in the letter, the Apostle Paul reminds the Colossians the truths they already been taught. The Apostle Paul pretty much says the same thing that Epaphras already did. You remember my introduction? That's, that's exactly what Epaphras has been doing all this time. What Epaphras has been teaching, the truths of the gospel, we're going to see, starting on verse 4, how the Apostle Paul reminds them. And says, chapter uh, verse 4, 
chapter 1, verse 4. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. So, they had faith in who? Christ Jesus. Not on angels. Remember, the, the person with the visions is pro promoting the worship of angels. And here, Paul reminds them, you heard... And we heard that you had faith in Christ Jesus. Not in angels, but in Christ Jesus. And that the love which you have for all the saints. So, he reminds them, the Apostle Paul reminds the Colossians, you have love for all the saints. We know by the letter of Philemon that uh, there was a slave runner that run and Onesimus uh, By, by the sovereign will of God, runs, but uh, meets with the Apostle Paul, and now the Apostle Paul returns him. And uh, Philemon, who is the, the owner of this slave, uh, when Paul described him, described him as, You're, you love all the saints, not just, uh, not just the ones that are not slaves, but all of them. So here on Colossians, we have this same description that they have love for all the saints, not just some type of, uh, uh, I'm sorry, saints, not just some type of Christians, but all type of Christians, all the saints. So the Apostle Paul is reminding them, you have faith in Christ, you love all the saints, because one of the things that this person with a vision is teaching them is don't touch that, don't eat that. So he's bringing Judaism back. And we know by Paul also, uh, when he talks to the Galatians, he tells them in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, there is, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So the Apostle Paul needs to repeat everything that they, they already heard, they already know. He needs to rem remind them the hope reserved for them in heaven. And three times, three times the Apostle Paul tells them, you already know this. How does he tell them this? He says, you previously heard this. You heard this. Look at uh, verse 5. Because of the hope laid out for you in heaven of which you Previously heard. So that's one. They previously heard. Then on verse 6. At the end of verse 6. It says. Since the day you heard of it. They heard it. And at the end of. Uh, on the middle of verse 7. I'm sorry. At the beginning of verse 7. It says. You as you learn it. So they heard it. They learn it. And they previously heard it. Three times he reminds them that they already know these truths. They already know the truths. But what do they already know? What truths do they already know? They already know the word of truth, the gospel. You see, it says right here that it came to them. The gospel came to them. Verse 6, which has come to you just as, as in all the world as Also in constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even it has been doing you all since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. 
They heard and understood the gospel. They heard this good news. They knew this, this truth already. They already knew the gospel of Jesus Christ. But because this person with a vision went there and with persuasive arguments, persuasive arguments, he is causing instability. And now what the church of Colossia, when they started, they forgot everything. And now even though Epaphras is teaching the same gospel, he's teaching the same truths, people, they're not believing him, and then the apostle Paul needs to reaffirm him, describe him, and even at the end of the book of Colossians, look at Colossians chapter 4, verse 12. Colossians 4, 12, Epaphras, who is one of your number, a bond slave of Jesus Christ sends you greetings. Always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers, that you may stand perfect and fully assured, assured in all the will of God. Even at the end of the letter, the Apostle Paul reaffirms him again and says, This is a honestly, he he he's laboring for you your your spiritual uh well. Because they're not listening to Epaphras anymore. And pretty much the Apostle Paul has to say the same thing the Epaphras is saying is the same thing that I'm saying to you, which is the gospel. So, today, I don't know anything about you. I really don't. I cannot go inside your head. I don't know what's going on in your mind or your life. But what I know for sure is that it don't matter what's going on in your life, you need to be reminded of the gospel. You need to remember the good news constantly. Why? Because you keep forgetting. Why? Because there's always other uh, with their smart visions or persuasive arguments. You always need to come back to the gospel. We need to return to the gospel and put it straight. And this person with a vision, he took a stand in the vision that he had. But we're going to take a stand on the gospel. Because there's no other, other way of salvation. And, and I want the children that are here to listen to me. The, the young ladies, the young adults. Listen, because you probably hear... And you probably heard this one and all the time, and you come here maybe because your parents tell you to come. You probably don't want to be here, but you're here, and I'm going to take this time and tell you what is the gospel. The gospel is Jesus Christ. And listen, because this is the most important information, news that you need to hear. The gospel is Jesus Christ. You probably don't want to be here. Probably your parents make you come here. But I want you to hear me. The gospel is the hope that we have in Christ. If you believe what I'm about to tell you about Jesus Christ, if you believe what Christ did in behalf of sinners, 
you're going to save yourself from a lot of pain. Because right now, if you're a young person, you think you understand and you got it, but you don't. You're searching and you're looking for approval from your friends, from other people, but don't matter how much approval you get from everybody else, you're always going to be miserable until you get the approval that really matters, and that's the approval of Jesus Christ. Any other approval in your life, friends, family, even if you get it and receive it, and once you have it and you get all the applause of this war, you're still going to be miserable. And I tell you because that's what happened with me. I was searching, searching, and one day I said, once I reach this, once I, I have this, then I'll be happy. Then I'll have peace. But you know what? God in his mercy allowed me to send and reach that point. And when I got there, I was like, I'm still miserable. But one day, God also had mercy on me. I heard the gospel. And then, it don't matter. It don't matter the approval of anyone. The only approval that gives me peace is the approval of Jesus Christ. So we believe that Christ... He walked on this earth as a perfect man, like we read on our confession today. He walked as a sinless man. He was obedient completely to his father. He never sinned. And the reason he needed to live that perfect life so he can deposit that righteousness, that perfect life, and deposit that in your account, in the account of sinners. He died, and he died, and he paid for your sins, but that only covered your debt. But his perfect life, the life that he walked in this earth, give you now a relationship with his father. Dying for you pays for your sins, but when he, when he walked and lived a perfect life, his perfect life now make you a child of God. It's not just that you don't have a debt. Now you, you, you went from negative to positive. Now you are co-equal with Christ. God sees you like he sees his son. The only reason you can pray to him, the only reason you can go on your knees and pray and say, God Almighty, and the only reason he listens to you is because he sees his son, his beloved son, Christ. He sees him, and he says, you are my child. I love you. He don't see you, because if he sees you, he'll kill you. He'll burn you. But he sees his child, the perfect child, Jesus Christ, the one who did not sin. He lived a perfect life. He died to pay for your sins. But the Bible also says that he rose. He rose from the dead because the grave could not keep him. And when he rose from the dead was a confirmation. It was evidence that his father, God the Father, approved his payment. It was an approval. It was a evidence 
that the work of Jesus Christ was approved. That he approved the labor of his son. And when he resurrected was the seal that it was done. That he accepted the payment. And that the blood that was shed that day was sufficient and had the value enough to pay for sins. It was valuable enough, like Peter says, not of gold and silver or incorruptible things. I'm sorry, corruptible things, but of incorruptible, the blood of Christ. That's the payment, the blood of Christ, but that, that blood is so valuable that it has so much value that can cover many sins, many sins. Like James says, his grace is greater than our sins. See, you're here, and you're listening to me, and you don't know this God. If you don't know this Christ, please listen to my words and believe in him. You must repent. You must repent from the ways and from your own thinking that you're okay and then you can do it without him. You must. You cannot do it yourself. And I'm focusing on you children, on you young guys, ladies, young ladies, but also of you adults that are here. Because just like Colossians, they heard it, they understand it, but they forgot. You must remember this gospel. You must remember this good news that saved you. You must remember where God took you out of, what he did to save you. Please make this day important. Make it eternally important. We're not going to ask you to raise your hand because this is between you and God. This is from inside. Like we, uh, uh, like Josh read from John 4, the true believers worship from the Spirit. This is, this is not uh, physical. You can cry and, and I can be rejoicing and say, yeah, he's safe, he's crying. But that can mean nothing. This is more of being resolved and saying, I'm done. I'm done with living my life with my own wisdom. Leave, stop living a life with the wisdom of this world and tell you how, how you should handle your life. And don't even listen to me, O'Brien. Listen to what the Word of God says. And the Word of God says that if you don't believe in Christ, there's not hope for you. You are already condemned. But the Word of God says, if you do believe in Christ, you have eternal life. Let us pray. God, just like David cried out when he was running from Saul, and he said, what a wretched man, and you still listen to me. How can this glorious, holy God listen to wretched men and women here? But now we know the answer. It's because of him. Because he 
He represents us. He's our substitute. Now he intercedes for us. He died in our place. He received the punishment that we deserve, and he put in our account the perfect life that he lived, and he proved it when he rose from the dead. God, I ask you that your Holy Spirit be the one who convinces uh, the youth here, convinces us adults that we heard this before and, 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 and we're so familiar with it, but I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you put it on our mind constantly, on our heart, to never forget. Don't matter what's going on in our life, don't matter what, what happens, Lord, that this great news is sufficient for us to live a joyful and peaceful life, even when this world burns. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for your son, that you give your beloved son for us, for sinners. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.